Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt would not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give you this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor, and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so shall you plunder the Egyptians. This is God's word. Amen. You guys may be seated. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father and our God, this morning, we want to see you. We want to hear your word. We want to trust in you, and we want to pray and ask that you would help us to do that. Lord, we know that our existence is a gift from you. We know that 
Our salvation in Christ is a gift from you. We know that the church is a gift from you. We know that worship is a gift from you. We know that your word is a gift from you. And we receive those with humility and with hope. And we ask for your help and we ask you to meet with us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this may not be a surprise to you guys, but I arrived here this morning with every intent on preaching this entire chapter this morning. And I guess, Regina, I owe you an apology about right now because the first service made it clear that it's going to take about three weeks. So um, I guess I owe Dan an apology, too, because he, he planned a very great service that, that fits very well with the, the end of the chapter, but we're not going to get there today. So, Dan, maybe we can just sing the same songs next week, something like that. Um, we Seriously, we're studying the book of Exodus because we want to understand what God is revealing about himself there. And what is going on in the flow of, of the book of Exodus is God's people, Israel, are they're in bondage, they're in slavery, they're in oppression in the land of Egypt. And they have been crying out to God for deliverance. And the text tells us that God has heard their cries. And what we know from the scripture is that God is always working. We know that God is always unfolding his plans. And even when to us as humans it feels like nothing is happening, he's working. That was kind of last week. But what we're going to see here in chapter 3 is, is on a human plane, on a human level, the plan of God is, is starting to move forward. The, the machinery and the wheels are starting to move forward and the way that God is going to do that is by raising up a leader for his people. God's going to ultimately deliver Israel from the bondage and slavery in Egypt. And God, much in the way that God works, is going to accomplish his work through a leader of his people. And that leader is Moses. And what happens here in chapter 3 is we're going to see God beginning to move into uh, very tangibly and powerfully the life of Moses and then move Moses into a place of leadership over his people and then have Moses move into Egypt as a representative of God. So that's what is unfolding here in this chapter. So, so really the, the main thrust of the whole chapter is God offers himself and his word as the confidence and hope for Moses as the leader of God's work for God's people. So God offers himself and his word as the confidence for Moses as the leader of God's deliverance of God's people. And the way that plays out in the chapter is kind of in three main sections. Verses 1 through 6, what we're going to call the meeting. Verses 7 through 12, what we're going to call the commission. And verses 13 through 22, what we're going to call the promise. So we have the meeting, the commission, and the promise. And we're going to spend our time today in verses 1 through 6, uh, the meeting. So if you're a note taker, you only get one today, the meeting. Here's what goes on 
in this passage. Verses 1 through 6. God wants to make sure that Moses knows God and honors God before he sends Moses to do anything. God wants to make sure that Moses knows God as he really is and honors him for who he really is before God sends him to do anything. So the story of Exodus is now turning for a season toward one man, a man named Moses. And as we saw in chapter 2, Moses was miraculously delivered from death as an infant under the hand of Pharaoh. He was moved providentially and in an unplanned way into an upbringing in the home of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Moses attempted to stand up for his people and it was misunderstood and perhaps misapplied by Moses. And so Moses is now far away from Egypt, far away from the people of God in the land of Midian. He is married. He is living in Midian and he is working in Midian, helping his father Jethro tend to his flock. Now, if we read the, mo- the, the Exodus narrative from chapter 2 right into chapter 3, we might think this is like a good two-hour rom-com. You know, you get kicked out of Egypt, you land in Midian, you meet a beautiful woman, you get married, the father-in-law welcomes you and is happily ever after. But Exodus, excuse me, Acts chapter 7 verse 30 tells us that Moses spent 40 years in the land of of Midian, 40 years. Um, so let me just do a little aside that has nothing to do with the sermon. Like you young leaders that are like, I've been faithful for nine days. It's time for me to be elevated to CEO of this company. Like it takes time, okay? It takes time. It was 40 years. So somewhere near the end of those 40 years, God appears to Moses to reveal himself and to invite Moses to respond to God rightly as God truly is. So look at verse 2. We're told that the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Moses looked at the bush, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Then look at verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Now, this is something really important. Who appeared to Moses? Well, A burning bush that was not consumed appeared to Moses. And that is how God drew Moses' attention into the interaction. If you don't have anything else to do this afternoon, you can consume the whole day on theories about what the burning bush is and means. 
I think what's important for this passage is God was revealing himself. He wanted to get Moses' attention, and he did it through a burning bush that was not consumed. Now, who appeared in the burning bush? Well, the passage tells us two things. It tells us the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses, and it tells us that the Lord himself spoke to Moses. So if you put that together and you put it into a theology of the whole Old Testament, what that means is the angel of the Lord is a manifestation of God himself. The angel of the Lord is not just like Gabriel, but he is a manifestation of God himself. Additionally, it seems that there is some distinction between this this messenger of the Lord and between the Lord himself. So they are one and yet unique. And if you've ever heard this said before, that the angel of the Lord is likely to be understood as a manifestation of God the Son, a manifestation of Jesus before the Matthew narrative, this is where we get this idea. As Alec Motier says, there is only one other person in the Bible who is both identical with and yet distinct from the Lord, and his name is Jesus. And so I think it's, it's rightly important to see that, that God is appearing to Moses in this bush, the text says, as the angel of the Lord. And yet the angel of the Lord, is his words are ascribed to the Lord, and he's worthy of the worship of the Lord. And so the angel of the Lord is, is, is God himself and yet unique, and God is revealing himself through the angel in the bush. So Moses is meeting God in the bush. That's what we take from this. Moses is meeting God in the bush. And so he uses the bush to call Moses to himself. And he called out to Moses. This is in verse 4. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So here's what we see here is God is revealing himself to Moses. He wants Moses to understand the worshipful reverence that God deserves as Moses comes into It's important that Moses not be flippant about who God is. It's important. Now, now think, up, think about how confused Moses might be. Now, this is just a, one man thinking out loud. This isn't in the Bible. But let's just think how confused Moses might be. He was born to Hebrews, but very early in his life, he, he was put in a basket in the Nile to float away. Then he was rescued into the home of Pharaoh, who, by the way, Pharaoh believes He's God. So so now Moses has added another layer to his religious upbringing. And then Moses flees to Midian, and his father-in-law Jethro Jethro is a priest there. So there's, there's 
could potentially be a lot of ideas of deity floating around in Moses' head. Maybe, maybe not, but either way, God says, Moses, I want you to see me and know me and believe in me, and I want you to understand the, the nature of who I am. I am a holy God. And now we throw that word holy around all the time in the church, right? Holy, 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 holy. We just sang about it. Holy, 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 right? What does holy mean? At its most basic understanding, holiness means other. It means set apart. It means separate and unique. And so when God says, hey, the, the, the ground around this bush is holy, what he's saying is it's, it's because I'm holy. And what he's saying is, Moses, I'm unlike any other. Human or divine, I am, I am unlike any other. I've existed eternally. I will exist for all time. I've made everything that has ever been made. I have spoken to Abraham. I have spoken to Isaac. I have spoken to Jacob. I am the one true God who is able to accomplish all things in my providential timing for the good of my people. That's who I am. And so now you enter into my holiness. So I'm welcoming you in, Moses, but you got to understand that I'm different. I'm other. I'm unique. I'm separate. And the God that you're approaching is one of a kind. You're entering a holy ground before a holy God. And I think those of us who've been church for a long time, we're like, yeah, 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 I get that. Holy, holy, I got it. God's holy. Friends, that means God is not made in our image. That means that we don't get to take up the ideas about God that we like and call them God. We don't get to fashion God with our own hands or our own pens or our own keyboards. God is, and he's revealed himself to us throughout the scripture and through his son. So the character of God is revealed to the people of God to shape us and not vice versa. So in this passage, Moses meets the Lord clearly, and we see that he gets a right understanding of the greatness and the holiness and the purity and the sinlessness and the mercy and the justice and the compassion of God, because verse 6 says he hid his face and he was afraid to look at him. He hid his face and he was afraid to look at him. So the main thrust of these verses, 1 through 6, is the Lord wanted to make sure that Moses knew God before the Lord commissioned Moses to do anything. And in particular, the Lord wanted to make sure that Moses knew the holiness and the splendor of the God who's promised deliverance so that he would rightly be trusted and depended upon and followed and obeyed as great things happen in this Exodus story. So this leads us down two paths of application for this morning. Number one, do we know the Lord 
as the Lord has revealed himself. Do we truly know the Lord as the Lord has revealed himself? I believe that that's the most fundamental reality of the scripture is we need to know the Lord. And when the scripture speaks of know, it it, it doesn't mean intellectual, factual, studying for a true-false exam kind of knowledge. It means intimate, relational, trusting type of knowledge. Do we know the Lord? Are we connected to the Lord? Do we trust the Lord? Have we been covered in the grace of the Lord? Do we do we feel His love and fellowship with him because we know him. And so some of you might be sitting here today going, all right, dude, I'm new to this whole Bible thing. How do I know the Lord? Do I need to go look for a bush? You know, there are seven little bushes across the parking lot over there by the modular. Should I be looking for one of those to be on fire after the service? If so, please either call 911 or run over here and get the uh, the firemen, okay? Their hoses reach that far. I've seen it before. Um, well, the scriptures are going to go forward, and they're going to tell us that we know the Lord in the same way Moses did, by looking on the Son. We know the Lord by looking on the Son, and the Son's name is Jesus. Hebrews 1, 1 says, In these last days God has spoken through his Son. We know the Lord by looking to Jesus. Do I know the Lord? Is my hope in Christ? Am I trusting in Christ? Am I fellowshipping with the Lord through Christ? This is the fundamental question before us. We don't need burning bushes. We have a resurrected Savior. But here's the second question for us this morning. Do we appropriately remember the holiness of the Lord? Do we appropriately remember the holiness of the Lord? I fear that we've become too comfortable with God talk. So much so that we forget the holiness of the Lord. So you might say, okay, so I'm not looking for burning bushes, so how do I appropriately remember the holiness of of the Lord. Do I take my shoes off more? I mean, I got one son that if barefooted equals honoring holiness, this is the holiest kid in the face of the world. I remember about 20 years ago, I was preaching a revival on the campus of Eastern Illinois University. And this was a pretty traditional church, you know, on a Monday night revival, you had some suits and some ties in the in the in the gathering. And I walked into the worship team rehearsing, and um, I'm not going to name names because some of you in this room know him, but the worship leader had his shoes off and was standing up here barefoot. I said, um, I interrupted rehearsal, and I was like, what's going on with your shoes there? He was like, well, Exodus 3. God said, take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. Tell you what, you put your shoes on, we'll talk about how to study the Bible later, okay? 
So no, we don't need to take our shoes off. It was appropriate in a moment in front of a burning bush, but we do need to show reverence and deference and humility and honor to the Lord who is himself holy. And so right now, Christians, I'm really speaking to the posture of our hearts more than I'm speaking to anything that we do. Will we posture ourselves in deferential honor to the one true God who is and is by nature unique and separate from us. And then we can pray prayers of wisdom like, Lord, help us walk in this humility and fear and honor. Help us love you as you are. But Lord, never let us remake you in our own image or remake you in the questions of the day, but let us honor you as you are. Speak to us, O God. This is a disposition of the heart. And I want to invite you there. So now, our Father and our God, Pray that you would take these words from Exodus 3, which you have spoken. And we pray that you would captivate your people. Speak to us, teach us, and help us, we pray, now in the name of Jesus. Amen.